welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me is Court Winsett. Good day to you, Katie. And Cameron Spann. I am in love. I'm feeling Cupid's arrow. My oh. Word. Ooh. <laughs> Dang. Urge. I'm in love with y'all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, we are coming at you. Um, coming at you live. <laughs> except we're not. Right before a big holiday. Indeed. We're coming up on Valentine's Day. It's the big lover's day. Hey, this is your warning. It's Valentine's Day next week. Like, yeah. guys, girls. I don't like. Why is it always like guys? Like, well, girls can get gifts, too. Like, girls yeah. should get gifts, too, I, then for the guys. I'm a proponent of that. I, yeah. I am terrible about Valentine's Day. I always tried to set the precedent that I was not a Valentine's Day gift giver, but uh-huh. we're going on, like, 35 years now, and Robin's like, yeah, no, you try and set that precedent all you want. It doesn't work. I still want something for Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you use, like, a little sweet treat or just, like, a little mm. note or something like that. But, yes, the Valentine's Day is next week, and so we decided to... To do an episode, Valentine's Day episode, how to have essential financial conversations with your partner. Oh, Nothing my. gets you more in the mood than financial conversations. Yeah. I mean, we're basically talking about how you could potentially break up your relationship <laughs> for Valentine's Day. You want to set the mood? Talk about a budget. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yes. So this may not be the best um, Valentine's dinner conversation. I think the premise is if you are open and honest about your finances, and have a plan as a team, as a couple, then uh, it leads to a stronger relationship and therefore you will be happy on Valentine's Day. I mean, if you want to have this conversation before Valentine's so you don't have to get a gift, then I guess that's financially smart. Definitely. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, hey, sweetie, we really need to budget. We got to we gotta work on things, make sure that we're not overspending. By the way, that kind of means we can't afford a gift this year. <laughs> Let's keep it simple, huh? How about a card and some chocolates? Baby, I am your gift. Oh, <laughs> if you show up with a bow on yourself. Oh, we're not going there. Wait. Okay. <laughs> My Let's start with our list. The best love songs. Indeed. Okay, so obviously before we get butchered, we know there's a ton of love songs out there, and this is subjective to your opinion. You have to sing every single one. So we're going to quickly not sing this. We're going to quickly round robin this. I Will Always Love You, Dolly Parton and Whitney Houston. That is absolutely a classic. You can't get much more classic. Whichever one you want to go with either, yeah. Um, I love the next one, At Last. Oh, that's a good one. Etta James, uh, that's phenomenal. Well, I will sing mine. Nothing compares to you by Sinead O'Connor. Yes, oh, uh, performed by Sinead O'Connor. Do you know who wrote it? I don't. Prince. Oh, oh Prince. that good. explains Nelson a lot. Nelson Rogers wrote that song. That's yeah. That's that. That explains why it says to the numeral two and you, you instead of spelling does. it out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, Unchained Melody by yes. the Righteous Brothers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, your song, Elton John. Yes. Phenomenal one. Everything I do, I do it for you by Brian Adams, mm. not Ryan Adams. Yep. Uh, Kiss from a Rose, Ooh, Seal. I love mm-hmm. Can't Help Falling in Love by Elvis, man. I'm getting oh, yeah. some good ones. For Once in My Life by Stevie Wonder. Mm. We Belong Together, Mariah Carey. Boo. Make You Feel My Love by Adele. You're simply the, the best. best. Is that a love song? That, yeah. Yeah, you're the best. It's like a car commercial. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Tina. You're telling her she's a car commercial? Oh, no, I'm pretty sold. sure it literally is in a car Probably. commercial. The next one's a good one, Kate. Come what may, Milliners. Oh, yes. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler. 
My Heart Will Go On by Celine mm-hmm. Dion. Indeed. <laughs> um, is this really a Say a Little Prayer? Honestly, I've never really paid attention to the lyrics, so I don't know. Am I thinking sure. of the wrong song? What chick flick do you think of when you hear this song by Rita My Best Franklin? Friend's Wedding? Yeah, yeah. every time. Say every time. a little prayer for you, forever and ever. So that's why I'm like... Forever, that's how it must be, without you. Only so, yeah. vibrate to me. Yeah. So basically, it's like <laughs> we're going to be together. If we if we're not together, then I'm I'm going to be brokenhearted. I think is the way that goes. <laughs> okay. And then finally, lover. How uh, we Taylor can tell Swift. Nicole yeah, made this Nicole list. Made, I don't know this. Throw, I don't know this song either. She's always going to throw a Taylor Swift song in there. Okay, there is the list. So. I mean, I, but I just <laughs> let, let me go back for a second, just to say, like, if you were going to do a Taylor Swift, why wouldn't you do Love Story? If you're going to do anyway, that's not, I guess that's not technically a love song. That's more a love story, but that's when you're pursuing the love. Or you're never, ever getting back together. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I've always been a fan of girl, don't go away mad, just go away. Um. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That was kind of like a court. Oh, (laughs) okay. So money issues can be primary reasons partners split up or divorce. Mm. Did a whole episode about that. Financial infidelity. Don't talk about this on a first date. No, no. Hold off. You know, make sure that you're going to make it past the first date before you start talking about marriage and kids and finances. Like the episode that we said, okay, on your first date, be like, what's your name? Who's your family? What's your credit score? Mm. Yeah, it's not romantic, but hey, it will help you weed people out quickly. Like the first question you sit down to eat and it's like, how much debt do you have? Mm. Yeah, I've got a friend of mine. um, She is very successful. She's a FedEx pilot. And I mean, she's got everything going for her. But one of the things she's really looking at now is like, obviously, is she compatible? But she's very conscious on what is their financial state and kind of what baggage are they bringing to it? And how are they handling that? Because that tells a lot about them because you can make a lot of money, but you can spend a lot. So what we are saying on this is, you know, this is stuff that you got to be sensitive on that first date. Now, obviously, if you're have been in the dating game for a while, maybe just cut through the crap and be like, hey, let's talk about it. But this is kind of once you get into a long term relationship, it's game on. Even if you're married, it's never too late. But I do agree that, you know, if you haven't had these conversations with your spouse, you need to have it now. If you are dating, you might as well go and start talking about it now to make sure is uh, is the juice worth the squeeze? If you're <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Throwback. Man. It's a throwback one. Uh, if you're planning on getting married, really, honestly, oh, if, you, yeah. if, if you're engaged and, and you've got the wedding coming up over the horizon, that's a really good time to sit down and have these kinds of conversations. This should be part of like yeah. marriage counseling before you get married. Yeah, 100%. So six money conversations to have in a long-term relationship. What do each of you bring to the table? So I picture everybody coming to the table. Mm. Like, what, do you, what are you bringing? What you bring into the table, Court? Yeah. No, I mean, like <laughs> depression, anxiety, the big sad. <laughs> so first off, I got that your mentality, baby. You've got to think about it. what do you bring to the table? So let's break it down. Be honest about liabilities, mm-hmm. student loans, credit cards, medical expenses, other financial obligations. And now I'm going to add something that a lot of people may not think about. But, you know, obviously it's kind of up front of do you have a child? Are you paying child support? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have credit card debt, student loans, personal, stuff like that? A couple other things. Are you trying to rebuild your credit score? So maybe you've got a collateralized credit card. That's Mm -hmm. something to talk about. But the other one I don't think a lot of people talk about is obligation. Are you obligated to help a certain family member out? 
Like, is there maybe a special needs, um, somebody in your family that if something happens to your parents or your brother or somebody like that, you're then going to be obligated to then take care of that person. Mm -hmm. Or if it's your parents that you're the only sibling. And so if something happens to mom or dad, you are then going to be taking on caring for them. And that could mean them moving in. Yeah. Because that is that is a financial obligation that a lot of people don't think about immediately. A lot of people face that down the road, but they don't necessarily consider it on the front end. A lot of times you'll have that, oh, my goodness, moment where you realize a parent is no longer able to live by themselves. So you yeah. have to move them in with you or whatnot. And couples face that. And especially when it comes to the stereotype of in-laws and getting along with the in-laws or not getting along with the in-laws, you, you kind of need to know what what your partner's expectations are as far as like, yeah, no, if, if if it comes down to it and my parents need assistance, then I plan on being their assistance. And if that's not okay with you, then yeah. you know, you need to you need to have that out on the front end for sure. And I think a lot of times maybe girl and I'm not trying to stereotype, but I think girls may think more about that than guys. And it's I've got a client right now I'm working with and her daughter and I have worked a ton together about her mom's by herself and looking forward of if something should happen to her, but then she's looking at buying another house and kind of merging together mm -hmm. because they know eventually she's going to be taking care of her mom. So that's why I kind of brought this up of laying things on the table that of course you don't want to go down rabbit holes of like what ifs, but if that is something that's important to you that you know, you might want to go ahead and say it just so yeah. it's kind of discussed. Okay. So I'll give you a hypothetical. You have a parent who is in long-term memory care, let's say, okay. you know, and uh, that that's expensive. And they have savings that they're using to pay for that long-term memory care. But yeah. they're eventually potentially going to run out of those savings. And let's say they didn't do the best job of planning in advance for when they run out of money and whether mm -hmm. or not they'll be able to qualify for something like Medicaid, some sort of financial assistance to pay for that long-term care. What happens when they run out of money? Yeah. One spouse says, well, obviously, we buckle down and figure out a way to pay for that care. Mm -hmm. And the other spouse is like, why is it our problem? Yeah. You know, we don't have that kind of money. How the heck are we supposed to afford that? Those are the kind of issues where you you really need to know what your spouse is thinking uh, or your your potential spouse is thinking on things like that, because it right. could come to uh, it could come to a head later. But then Absolutely. let's let's talk about not just the negative. You get your responsibilities and your liabilities, but also what you got to bring to the table. You yeah, know. your assets. Absolutely. I own my own house. I bought it when I was 22 and I've been paying on it. And, you know, if you're one of those people that like planned way in advance and really are responsible, I've got a retirement plan that's got $200,000 in it and I'm only 25 years old. You know, those are things that are that are going to affect you and your long-term partner way down the road for a long yeah. time. And that's great. Yeah, your assets, um, including your salary, your investments. Mm -hmm. um, now, and this is where I'm going to throw my little two cents in there about this. Well, two cents isn't going to be very impressive, girl. I know. Let's call it 25 cents. I'm bringing my two cents to the table. I'm bringing my 25 cents to the table here <laughs> that, you know, some people may, and this is, I'm going deeper, longer term with this stuff. Some of you may be like, oh, well, I'm going to be inheriting a ton. Mm. Again, do not plan on that stuff. You no. never know. Yeah. Let's go back to the scenario I just described. Yeah. When you've got parents who have a, a good bit of money, but even a couple of million dollars, you can eat through that quick mm -hmm. if you've got uh, long-term health care needs for yourself. And so your parent may have every intention of passing along a couple of mil to you, but then they realize that they're going to have to spend it on themselves and they've got no control over that. Yeah, Can't count on anything until it happens. Yep. 
Okay, so we know what we're bringing to the table. Be honest about liabilities and assets. Knowing these figures will help you plan for the future and understand how you'll need to budget. And it may also give you a bit of a reality check. Once you combine finances, your goal will be mutual or your goal should be mutual. (laughs) It Mm. is not always that way. It's not automatic. It's It's not. It's not just like, oh, I love you. Ooh, your your debt is my debt. Yeah, your spending habits is my spending habits. This is not a Disney movie. It is not all you know. Gotta spell out after. your expectations on the front end, so so that your your significant other knows where you're coming from and knows what you expect from mm-hmm. this relationship once you join as a team. Yeah, so you need to understand what are your goals. You know, is it owning a home, paying off debt, starting a family, saving for retirement? You'll need to work together towards this. Here's something we talked about a good bit. Um, yeah, an it's, episode a, it's a big ago. one for me. It's always been a big topic for me. Yeah, financial infidelity. Yeah, uh, sounds horrible. Sounds very scary. And what is it? Hiding debt from a partner, spending money, and not telling your partner about the expenditures you're making. Just anytime you are not being financially honest about uh, what your situation is and what your what situation you're potentially getting your partner into, long term that can screw somebody over a lot worse than you know romantic infidelity. Um, and I mean, this is people you like signing things up in their spouse's name, signing mm-hmm. stuff. Merging both of them under it. Taking out loans without your partner's consent, signing yeah. a name here or there, forging stuff. I mean, it can get really... It uh, can get really, really bad. Illegal. And illegal. <laughs> but it's it's kind of one of those... I've On this podcast, I've joked about this before, but it is kind of a... What is like the gateway drug? It's kind of like the gateway starter of um, financial infidelity. The little TikTok videos and stuff where it's like, oh, I get my Amazon guy to like package it differently mm-hmm. or hide it in the back so my husband doesn't see it on the Deliberate ring or something like that. I've got a credit card that's just got my name on yeah. it. Yeah. And, and while that's funny know. in entertainment purposes, that's starting the financial infidelity. Mm. Because if your spouse doesn't know about like, I, I mean, come on, if he doesn't know that you spent, you know, a little bit of money doing something on the side and a whim, like, I'm not saying that when you were with somebody, they have to know every single thing that you purchased. Well, yeah, because it's my money and yeah. I'm going to spend my money how I want. So I'm not even necessarily, I don't think we're necessarily even talking about like, you may have an agreement with your spouse where you earn a certain amount of money, you put a certain amount of money toward your couple's debts and and Mm -hmm. expenses and so forth, and then you have your own money that you can spend. That's not what I'm talking about. How you spend money that you've identified as your money that you can spend however you want, that's up to you. What I'm talking about is getting you and your significant other into debt that they did not sign up for. They had no say in accumulating. If you're over there racking up credit cards, card debt and then not telling your spouse, Mm -hmm. that's the issue. Yeah. Okay. What about your credit score? We kind of joked about that before that, you know, there are some dating sites that talk about matching people up with their credit score because obviously the difference of somebody with a higher credit score versus somebody with a real low credit score, Mm -hmm. something's happened there. Yeah. There's different behaviors. I guess it's just a hypothetical. I don't know. But if I had a low credit score and I went on to a site that was like, yeah, we're going to match you based on your spending philosophy and your low credit score. And they put me with someone else who has a (laughs) A low low credit credit score. score. They're basically setting you up for failure. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Okay, maybe don't do that. So your credit score obviously is a very important number. We've talked about that before. It factors into buying a car, buying a house, um, getting on loans, things like that. And so that's going to affect you when you go to get different financing options. If your partner doesn't have the same or a similar credit score, it's going to have an impact. 
But don't discount somebody just because he's got a he she has a bad credit score. There could be a reason behind it. There could be something, yeah. and then you can they're working on rebuilding it, or mm-hmm. maybe someone stole their identity and messed up their credit score, or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're covering six money conversations to have in a long term relationship, and number three on this list is how will you split expenses? Mm. Consider how much income you are bringing in and what your regular costs will be, and whether you will pay them from a joint account or split them up. Mm. In other words, budget. Yeah. You know, this is basically the budget bullet. <laughs> yeah. Figure out how you're going to pay stuff if you know. Somebody has their name already in the cable bill, then there's no point in trying to switch and have it joint. Just, mm-hmm. you know, have a discipline, figure it out. Use a budgeting app to help. Have that emergency fund. I don't know how many times we've said this on this podcast, mm-hmm. you know, cover those three to six months worth of living Probably expenses. Probably two, at least. Two times, at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. <laughs> if you don't have enough to set those funds aside, factor a monthly contribution to your emergency fund to build that into your budget. Okay. Next one. Number four. It's a doozy. It is a doozy. Will you have kids? Yes. That is the question. <laughs> who, who, who needs to be involved in this conversation? <laughs> the whole familia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, first of all, are you coming to a second marriage? Do you already have kids? Do you want to have kids together? Or mm-hmm. are the kids that you already have separately sufficient to make a family for you? Or do you, you want know, to be dinks? Have you heard of dinks? I have what not heard dinks? of dinks. Dual income, no kids. It's a new trend of these. It's these videos of like, of course we're dinks. We Mm -hmm. enjoy life. We have no responsibilities. We're rich. Yeah. And I don't understand the people that get all bent out of shape about people that are enjoying the fact that they don't have kids. Like, it's your social responsibility to reproduce and have children. How dare you not have children and have fun? That's just selfish. Okay, I'm sorry, but I disagree with that. It's a personal choice. Yeah, I had kids. I love my kids, but I'm not going to go pushing other people to have children. First of all, I don't want everybody out there reproducing. Sorry, y'all. And secondly, it's none of my business. That's a huge responsibility to take on. What is it my business telling other people that they should be going and having kids? That's crazy. When you boil it down, having kids is a major expense. It's a major There's expense. no way around it. We were lucky enough not to have to put our kids in daycare. You know, mm-hmm. Abby worked from home and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's still expensive just mm-hmm. putting food yeah. in their mouths. But daycare, I hear, is wildly It's like expensive. having another mortgage. Yes. Yeah. When we had our first child, our daycare expense was as much as what we paid for our, I think our, we were in a house at the time and it was, it was the same as what we paid for our, our mortgage payment. Yeah. yeah. Things to consider, childcare, one income household, hospital expenses, adoption, IVF, surrogacy, and so the actual freezing. having of the kids. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be able to do that? Right. Just getting to the point where you are pregnant and can have a child is it, it can be a significant investment. Well, and I don't want to get too deep into that subject because that's a whole episode of itself. Mm-hmm. But making sure you understand about the income because time off for having the child, but also who's going to take the time off if the kid's sick and they can't go to daycare or things like that. That's something to consider because, I mean, Cam, how many times have your kids gotten sick? So many times. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm currently sick. I am a child. Yeah. Gosh. Okay. Next one on this list. What is your risk tolerance? I think it's a good thing to know. I don't know that it's necessarily a deal breaker. Like if one is highly tolerant and one has a a lower risk tolerance, I don't think you're necessarily, that means you're doomed for failure as a couple. But I think it's probably a good, good knowledge to have. We can take any couple and separate their investments and invest the way that Mm -hmm. one person feels comfortable with. But I guess we should back up a little bit and just remind people what we're talking about when we're talking about risk tolerance. I was about to say, like, I don't think most people would understand really just like, okay, honey, what's your risk tolerance? Mm. Yeah, that's good. 
<laughs> What's your safe word? Peaches. <laughs> okay, so goose, re- goose. really, what is your risk tolerance? Couscous. <laughs> Golly. Risk tolerance. Whether you are a risk taker or not. Yeah. I mean, on, on a very, very basic Very level, basic. And know. it's interesting that under this risk tolerance, it brings up signing a prenup agreement mm-hmm. um, to protect your assets in case of a separation. It can also protect one partner from another's debt. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you've ever listened to other episodes, I'm a fan of prenups. I think they're important. You mm-hmm. should do them, get them, get it done. Prenup. Yep. So, yeah, it's just figuring out. I would have phrased this differently and maybe because I see what the next bullet point is about Mm -hmm. what's your plans for retirement. What I think also should have been added in here or maybe in conjunction with risk tolerance is what is your behavior with money? What is your relationship with money? Mm -hmm. We've definitely covered that in previous episodes as well. But sort of, you know, somebody who was raised with very little is going to have a very different attitude toward money than somebody who was raised with a lot. Do you feel like there's never going to be enough money? Mm -hmm. Are you very frivolous because you were spoiled and so you just don't understand. So I think that's instead of doing the risk tolerance, it's more of how were you raised and what is your relationship with money now? So then our last one of what are your plans for retirement? Well, so, oh, Lordy, Jimmy and Susie are sitting down at 23 and they've been going steady for six months and now they're having these conversations and now you're throwing retirement in here? Mm-hmm. Craziness. I just want to talk about where we're going to dinner for Valentine's Day. Oh, Jimmy and Susie. <laughs> So, obviously, that is something to think about if somebody who's wanting to work their entire lives. I had a sweet couple in yesterday, and um, the husband's like, I'm ready to go now. I want to retire. I'm tired. I'm done. And the wife is like, I could keep going several more years. I'm good, but he can't quit working. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you've got to kind of be on the page. I would say the retirement part of it, that is a conversation you definitely need to have, but I think that it's depending on your age, really. Mm -hmm. Like maybe broadly in your, you know, thirties and stuff, have a general idea of talking about retirement, but in the grand scheme of things of retirement, kids, how does that all play in? Yeah. But I wouldn't really start seriously talking about what retirement age could look like until late forties, fifties, and then really drilling down into it in your sixties. Yeah. One thing I will say that we do hammer a lot on this uh, show, so I feel like we should give it some time here, is granted, it's early when you're a couple of 20-year-olds talking about, you know, in in your early 20s, talking about possible retirement, possible kids, possible mortgage, all this stuff that seems so far down the road. But it all sort of plays together because, like, for instance— just for, on a personal note, uh, my wife and I sort of knew how many kids we wanted to have and approximately when we wanted to have them all so that we knew how old we would be when they were reaching the age of majority and when they were potentially going to be able at least, whether or not they chose to, they would at least be able to move out on their own. Um, And so all of that kind of planning, we were like, yes, we want three kids. We want to have them all before we turn 30. You know, that sets a very specific deadline, but it also sort of paints what you what your future is going to be like. Part of the reason that we wanted to do that is because that meant by the time we're 50, our kids are grown, they're full adults, and maybe we've got some youth left in us that we can enjoy time. I do you have kind- any youth left in you? <sighs> Uh, but I do kind of wish that we had planned a little bit more. You know, uh, we we planned for the whole children thing. We planned for the whole, okay, we'll be young and our children could potentially be out of the house. What we didn't plan for was 
really planning early on for that retirement and actually being able to enjoy the later in life part where the kids are gone and, you know, we've got some time because we still got to work for a few more years before we're going to be ready to retire. So having those early conversations, especially because the earlier you start socking money away for retirement, the easier it's going to grow into something later on. Uh, if you do have those conversations early, I think you'll be better off for it, even though it seems a long way off when you're 20 to talk about maybe 60 or 65 years old or even 50 or 55 years old. Yeah. It, if it's a conversation you go ahead and have, it can serve you well in the in the long run. Absolutely. I, one of my papers I did for my master's, I was comparing the road to retirement is kind of like the yellow brick road from the Wizard of Oz and that it's like you've got this path and you know Emerald City is the end goal. That's, that's retirement. Mm-hmm. But as with the Wizard of Oz, there's lots of different things that happen. You may fall into a poppy field. You don't, you know, maybe somebody jumps out at you and scares you, but that is very much of a, you have a goal where you want to go. Things are going to keep changing. And it may be that today you're saving money and you think it's for starting a business, but by the time you get to it, well, we've actually had kids now and we'd rather take that money and put into their education or things like that. Mm So Valentine's day is next week. This is not a very romantic list, but I think it's important that you have these conversations. And I think it's one of those that you at least have this conversation with your partner on an annual basis. Well, yeah. I mean, I think maybe it's, not it's, right I, around Valentine's Day, a, but you know, as uh, a best practice, I think you should kind of have these conversations, make a point to do that just to kind of check in on the other one and see like, hey, what is your longevity on how long you think you're going to keep working here? Mm-hmm. Or so you at least it's kind of like doing a financial analysis or, a, you know, us having a meeting with a client. We kind of check in with them at least on an annual basis, if not more often. We kind of know a general idea. So it's not such a shock when something pops up or something yeah. changes mm-hmm. and you can see if things have changed because it could be that for years, Cam's thought Abby wanted to take a month off and travel to Africa and she's like, Cam, I really don't want to go to Africa for a month. I'd rather go to Europe. Abiva. Abiva. <laughs> I mean, that's a silly example, but it's just kind of having that time set aside where you're kind of checking in and seeing and making sure you're on the right path and kind of avoiding if you are going down the wrong road. Yeah, I'd say have fun with it. Abby and I call it our business meeting. You know, it doesn't happen that often, but it's kind of tongue in cheek. You're not surprising your spouse with it. Like, we got to have this tonight. We kind of like lead into it a few days. Hey, we need to have a business meeting. And Mm -hmm. it, it helps things out. Yeah, it really does. If you plan for it, if you have a name for it, if you are able to discuss it and say, we need to, we need to have this conversation. When can we have this conversation? You're not just springing some topic on them unannounced, you know, they can puts up walls, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Especially if there are issues that could cause one of you or the other of you or both of you to become defensive. It's better to have sort of like, okay, this is coming and I'm not, I'm not attacking you when I start bringing these topics up. This is just stuff that we have to talk about that we've got a plan for so on and so forth. And if you're not good about doing this on your own, then a lot of times when somebody comes in, I'll ask these questions and I'll usually spur a lot of conversations with couples and I'll identify like big differences of opinions that they have. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes worry that I'm starting fights, but really I think most of the time it's then I'm able to, my job is to kind of help listen to both of the people and figure it out. So, okay, if Abby wants to be a world traveler in retirement 
and Cam just wants to take over the logo world and just, you mm. know, take over everything, then I'm going to build budgets around where both of them can get their goals and try and have a merged approach of both of the things happening. And it's not a, well, I like Abby better. I'm going to get Abby's goals to happen. And Cam, you'll just get over it. I can make logos in the African Savannah. <laughs> Technology. Yeah, I'm facing down an interesting issue right now with uh, with our retirement. Not that it's coming anytime soon, but you know, you're never I, leaving. I'm, exactly. But realistically, I think it is highly. I've probably said this before. I think it is highly likely that our children will not be back to this area of the country, or certainly this state or city. I think it is very, very likely that they will end up elsewhere. You know, we'll say probably a minimum of. You know, six hours away up to possibly 24 hour drive away from us. And so one of the big things that I regularly sort of check in about is like, hey, I might want to move closer to them at some point. You know, maybe it's not until we retire, but I'm, I might want to get closer to our kids wherever they land. And sort of making sure that that concept is something that that my significant other is actually open to is obviously important because she may be thinking, I want this house to be where I'm buried, you know? Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, then obviously we've got some stuff. I'm not saying it's a, a relationship ender, but we've got some stuff that we're going to have to negotiate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's end this with something fun because okay. I, I don't know where we are on time, but I just thought if we've got a few minutes extra that we can spare for this episode, then I thought it'd be fun since it is the Valentine's Day episode to sort of talk about if you have any tips and tricks for a successful Valentine's Day date, successful Valentine's Day gift giving. I'm always intrigued by how other people approach this particular day because there is definitely a lot of pressure to have a great romantic Valentine's Valentine's Day and, you know, it's always seemed like a whole lot to be going on with. Yeah. The key to a successful Valentine's, if you have little chicks, is child care. Mm. Nothing ruins the mood more than having <laughs> your kids in the house, you mm -hmm. know? So really, just so you get a teenage girl to come watch the kids. Yeah. You go out, preferably they stay at grandparents' house. Mm. But I do understand that grandparents also have to celebrate Valentine's. Indeed. So just, even if it's for a few hours, just find somebody to take the kids so that stress is gone from mama's brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What about you, Katie? Have you uh, have you any knowledge that you would like to pass along? I think it's totally okay to do Valentine's on a different day. Restaurants are packed and... The 14th is kind of a, a randomly selected day. Yeah. It seems like a bit... So I think mm -hmm. it's, you know, be intentional about saying, hey, Valentine's Day is coming up. I want to do something for you. When do you want to celebrate? Mm -hmm. And so it's not just like, oh, it's the 14th. We got to do something. Yeah. So Holiday shifting seems to be a lot more common nowadays. More this year than any other year that I think I've ever been exposed to. I talked to a lot of people who talked about how they celebrated Christmas a week late or, you know, didn't celebrate Thanksgiving until the weekend or, you know, stuff like that. So obviously people are a lot more open to that idea yeah. of just shifting the holiday to when it suits them. You're not and, bound by a right. random date. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 mostly just a random date that somebody selected anyway. Probably a, a lot of people talk about, you know, how Mother's Day is just a date that was selected by yeah. greeting card companies or whatever it was. So, well, and I mean, it's it's what your person likes. I'd almost rather it be a random like, hey, we're going to go to dinner. Mm -hmm. 
And instead of it, oh, it's Valentine's, we're forced to do something. We're supposed to like share our love today. Like, mm-hmm. let's let's do this. One of the most interesting pointers that I've ever heard that I think is probably a good idea is if you want it to be a romantic occasion when you're actually going to spend time together and awake and so forth, then plan plenty of time before dinner. Don't plan dinner and then plan for some quality time together after dinner, because after dinner, you're going to have had a heavy meal, possibly a few drinks. You're going to be sleepy, so on and so forth. You might want to go to sleep and you haven't spent any quality time together. So plan time to spend together before dinner or plan your dinner early enough that at the end of dinner, you still have some time that you'll actually be able to remain awake. And I was like, oh, wow, I never thought of that. For people who are maybe newer relationships or even somebody just unsure, you don't have to spend a bunch of money on this holiday. Mm -hmm. You can make it, you know, very special of just like, Oh, you, you know, had breakfast ready that morning or you dropped by a sonic drink and then like personalized. If you do go to dinner, it's I mean, I'm happy with a bucket of popcorn at Malco and seeing a movie Mm -hmm. like it doesn't have to be a five course meal that both of you are uncomfortable because you both had to get dressed and, you know, do all that stuff. And then you're kind of like, okay, which fork am I supposed to use again? Yeah. Robin doesn't even like the fancy places like fancy, fancy dinners, like, you know, the, the five star Michelin rated, whatever restaurants she's, she's not about those places. So that would be a waste on her, I think. But yeah, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. It could be uh, whatever you and you know, you enjoy doing as a couple, just planning something that's special for just the two of you. That's cool. Okay. Those are some good pointers. (laughs) Okay. Let's, let's bullseye this up. Wrapping it back up again. This is conversations that you can have with your partner, whether you're kind of getting into the relationship, you are engaged, about to get married. You've been together for a long time. And those key points are, what do you bring to the table? Discuss those liability and assets. What's your credit score? How are you splitting expenses? Obviously about kids and, you know, we didn't say before, but like, are you paying for college? Or are you not? Like, those are all big components that happen around kids. What's your risk tolerance? What's your behavior and your relationship with money? And what are your plans for retirement, for travel, for things like that? Hopefully these were some good nuggets, some good conversation starters. Nuggets. <laughs> Again, um, approach this in a fun, um, you know, non-threatening way. Like Cam said with his, you know, we got a business meeting. Don't just send a text like, we got to talk. Yeah. Those are the scariest texts. Yeah. so scary. Yeah. There are always financial issues that I want to bring up and talk about, but, you know, I don't want to bring them up and talk about them because it's going to come across like it's an attack if I if I just spring it. So definitely a good idea. You have to, to ease into to, it. To ease into plan it. Plan it, yeah. On your first date, when you sit down, before you even order water, ask three questions. What are your religious beliefs? What are your political <laughs> views? And what financial baggage do you bring to this relationship? If you don't like any of their answers, leave the restaurant immediately. Ghost them. Never talk to them again. That's my uh, two cents. Um, (laughs) interestingly enough, I mean, Robin and I came from very different, uh, religious backgrounds, financial backgrounds. And, um, I mean, we didn't really talk about politics. We were kids at the time, but we definitely had different, uh, religious and and financial backgrounds and, uh, and we still made it. So, you know, my point is almost like just because we're saying have these conversations doesn't mean you have to write somebody off. It just means have the conversation so that you're aware. Absolutely. Yeah. Bullseye. 
No, there's the closing bell. Ladies and gentlemen, you've made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. If you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and sign up to have our podcast delivered directly to your device every single Thursday at noon. If you would like to find out more about Nicole, Cameron, Quarter, Katie, please go to our website. That website is bullcastpodcast.com. You can leave a comment, suggest a topic you'd like to hear us talk about, or ask for a guest if there's somebody you'd like us to have on our show. If you like pictures, boy, do we have pictures. There are some on our website, but there are even more on that little thing called Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at Bullcast Podcast. We also still have an X handle. That handle is also at Bullcast Podcast, and we have a Facebook page. That Facebook page is Bullcast The Podcast. Finally, ladies and gentlemen, Cameron, Court, Katie, and Nicole all work for a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. And if you'd like to find out more about what we do at Pickler Wealth Advisors, what we can do for you, find out about our amazing team and find out about our boss, David Pickler, then please feel free to go to that website, which is picklerwealthadvisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, we've given you plenty to go forth and be romantic. So for now, I'm Court. I'm Katie. I'm Loverboy. And we're done.